Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, everyone. I just thought you should note that. And a happy Sabbath to all of you. It is always a joy to come by here because the worship is always glorious. I have known people to have left their churches just to come to good news for the worship session. Thank you very much, Elder, for your introduction. You too have been a blessing to my life, a source of strength. Those of you who know the Elder would know that he's a very solid fellow when it comes to the Word of God. And um, he has been a nurturer of many of us around here. Thank you so much. Good to see so many familiar faces. Familiar faces. I cannot start calling names, but if I do, you know, I'll have to call everybody's name. Um, I see Mary sitting to the back, and that concerns me. Because when I was here, Mary sat to the front. I, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> but God be praised. I want to share with you a few words and thoughts that I've put together while contemplating and uh, uh, meditating on this passage of scripture. Uh, Elder Sylvester asked me to preach since, uh, I think, May. And I told him I wouldn't be available until today. And um, I've kept my word. Amen. I've kept my word. The passage of scripture that we read for our meditation, I want to take you back to it for a short while. John chapter 5. And by the way, I want to thank the praise team for leading us to Christ. There is no other name but Jesus. It's the sweetest name we know. You better know that name. Some people just know the name. But you ought to know the person. There comes a time when, when Kumbaya is not enough. We've got to know him for ourselves. We've got to know him for ourselves. John chapter 5 and read in verse 1. I am not certain what to call this message. I told my wife, and thank you for coming with me today. My wife has always been a major support for me. My, my major support. I love to see her when she's in the congregation. It gives me, uh, I don't care what the rest say. <laughs> All right. Uh, John chapter 5. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. After this, verse 1, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in the Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, and waiting for the moving of the water. 
For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever steps first after the stirring of the water was first was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there 38 years. The Bible said that he got healed and it was the Sabbath. He went into the church and when he went into the church, the priests and them mm -hmm, asked him, why are you walking around with your bed? Let's say that we can call this message today temple or porch. Temple or porch. Father, you have revealed yourself to us in your word. Now we pray for illumination that you will help us to understand the word today. And as you speak to us, store us, we pray, and lift us to higher ground with you. Leave us not alone until we shall find you for ourselves and our lives will no longer be the same. And so may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts bring a blessing to all of us here today and honor to the name of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All Jewish males were required to attend at Jerusalem at least three major feasts. You had the festival of the Passover, sometimes called the unleavened bread. You had the festival of weeks, sometimes called Pentecost. Or you had the feast of the tabernacle. But the Bible makes it clear that there was a feast. And there was a feast. And there was the temple. And the people were in the temple. So some while some, while some were, were feasting, some were celebrating. Did I say while some were feasting and some were celebrating, there were those who were lying at the pool sick. Verse 3 tells us that there was a great multitude. And in this multitude of people, there were people who were impotent. Somebody. The Bible was clear in the King James Version. Some were blind, halt, and, and withered. A, 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 a pathetic crowd of broken humanity. Everywhere we go, we observe that people are broken. And we don't have to go far to recognize that. Because we find broken homes, don't we? Broken governments. Broken nations. Broken relationships. Broken, broken everything broken. This man was waiting there 
to be healed, to be healed, to be healed. The Bible says, the Bible says that Jesus asked him a question. Will thou be made whole? Will thou be made whole? When Jesus asks a question, you need to contemplate what he's trying to ask you. It is not that Jesus doesn't know about me. He knows everything about me. The Bible says he's omniscient. That means he knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end or the end from the beginning. He knows, he knows, he knows everything. More than that, he knows our hearts. Yes, sir. Is somebody there? Yes. You can jump and shout how much you want. But if your heart is not there, something is not right. Will thou be made whole? You see, whenever, whenever, whenever we, we pray, whenever we pray and we talk to God and we tell him what we want, what it does is that we give God the permission to work on our behalf that he would not otherwise work if we did not. Is somebody there? And this gentleman was waiting in hope. Waiting in, in hope, uh, uh, he blamed he blamed this condition on what someone else did not do for him. Is somebody there? Yes, sir. Matter of fact, what the Bible says is that an angel came down and troubled the water. I don't know if it's legend or what, myth or whatever, but the Bible says that the, 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 the water was troubled. And whenever the water is troubled... Something happens. But you've got to get in the water. Are you, are you there with me? You've got to get in the water. I know that there are usually visitors who come to good news who are not yet Christians and who are not members of the church. I want to say to you today that Jesus is going to trouble the water. And if you're not yet with him, you can get in the water. Amen. Is somebody there today? You don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've only heard the name. You've never given him consideration. But your life is here, there, and everywhere. Or it's going smoothly. And some, sometime soon, something is going to happen. I'm telling you today, if you hear the water stirred, get in the water. Amen. Get in the water. Well, you know, Jesus has a million ways. Jesus has a million ways to heal any disease. It just do not have to be when the water is stirred. A million ways. He took some, some mud and put some saliva and uh, touch a fella's eye and his eye was made whole. Do you remember? A woman touched him. He did not even touch her, but she touched him and she was healed. What I'm trying to say is that God has a million way of dealing with our problems. There is no problem too big that God cannot solve. No question too complicated and difficult for him to answer. God has got all the answers for your problems and your needs today. And you've got to believe it. I'll come to tell you about that later. Jairus said to Jesus, Jairus, he said to Jesus, my daughter is very sick. Come to my house, come to my house, and, and lay your hands on her, and she would be healed. 
Well, Jesus did not even have to come to our house. In another case, he just spake the word and it was, it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. We've got a Jesus who can do everything. I just thought that I saw Sister Forbes and I must mention her name. Very sorry to cut it here. Sister Forbes, so glad to see you. So glad to see you, Sister Forbes. Still there? Still there? Uh, you don't know why I'm mentioning her name. We have something going. I'm so glad for her. I'm trying to say that God has a million ways to deal with our situation. Do not blame your condition on somebody else who was supposed to do or is supposed to do something for you. Jesus is passing by. And you better get in line. Stop him. Something. Run up a tree. Call on his name. Call him. Don't mind who is blocking you and say, Jesus. Amen. Don't, don't just sing about him. Don't just sing about him. The paralysis of the body was accompanied by partial paralysis of the will. This gentleman, he was paralyzed. But not only he was, was he physically paralyzed, something was happening in his mind that was also stricken by some kind of paralysis. And Jesus would say to him, now let me get you out of your, this paralysis and deal with your situation. What we should notice here also is that Jesus' Jesus's selection of this one man among hundreds of invalids indicate his interest in restoring those who have been reduced to utter helplessness both in body and in spirit. We don't only have sick people at the general hospital in Port of Spain. We don't only have sick people in Mount Hope. We've got a set of broken people with broken spirits. Yes. Somebody have beaten you down until you cannot even think for yourself. Sick, not only physically, but sick spiritually. You need... You need a confrontation or an encounter with Jesus Christ because he can take care of your problem. He can take care of your problem. You see, Bethesda, Bethesda in the Hebrew actually means house of grace. And Bethesda was probably supposed to be, so, so, yeah, and Bethesda is supposed to have been in Jerusalem. The headquarters of the Jews. The place of God. But this fellow is sick for 38 years. And those who are carrying on the service. Can do nothing about it. And when Jesus shows up on the Sabbath. Somebody. When Jesus shows up on the Sabbath. And he heals this fellow. Somebody will say. What's wrong with you? Sabbath is a happy day. I love every Sabbath. 
<laughs> I love every Sabbath. But 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 what I want to say is that in, in the house of grace where there is supposed to be healing and deliverance and salvation, there were multitudes, the Bible says. Sick, lame, blind, halt, wither. A powerless people. It would suggest to me that not only the people at the pool were broken. And by the way, that's what we have in our world, you know. A set of broken people trying to help another set of broken people. I had a young lady work with me when I... And I direct the department of uh, campus ministries and we had a day of prayer and she would come every month when we have this day of prayer and she would be busy talking to people, praying for them, interceding for them and crying for them. Well, one day nobody was there and um, uh, like Jesus, I, I and the woman alone was there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so I get down to talking to her. Only to find out that she was struggling with serious evil things in her life. But she's there. Religiously. Every Wednesday that we call this day of prayer. And she would... Would, 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 would cry tears and thank God, you know. You don't have to go far to find broken people. Just look a little bit inside of yourself. Look a little bit in, in, inside of you broken people, sick people, helpless people. The Bible says that this guy was... 38 years. That's a lifetime. That's a whole lifetime. Let's say that the Bible says you have three score and ten. That's 70. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Your first 20. That's one of I counting right though. But maybe your first 20. Your, 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 your child and adolescence. Getting ready. And then your last 10. Old age. And then you'll die. Between then, you probably have 38, 40 years. Anybody? You recognize what I'm trying to say? His real productive life, this fellow spent in a paralyzed, crippled, helpless situation, not only in body, but in mind. The worst paralysis you can suffer is not only is not necessarily in your body but in your mind when you cannot lift yourself and bring yourself to a position where you can even call upon the name of Jesus what I'm trying to tell you today do not accept your condition as permanent after 38 years, after a full lifetime, life finally came to him. Now, what a thing. I have not even thought about that when I was preparing the message. 
after a full lifetime of 38, 40 years, life eventually came to... I thought I should say that. That's the Holy Spirit. Because I'll contrast that with something soon. So Jesus saw him. That's the point. We're talking about the loving Jesus now. Jesus saw him. Saw him. Did Jesus see him? Yes, Jesus saw him. Jesus knew him. And Jesus went to him. You know, there are always some people who like to get into your story. I saw her. I saw, I saw him. I was there. I have it on my camera. <laughs> Chase those people far. Far. Jesus did not go to the porch to hang out. By the way, it was the Sabbath. And those in the church, so I don't have to say. Okay, all right. <laughs> This fella was seen by Jesus. And Jesus did not have to ask about his condition. He was there. He's lame. What do you call those people with everything down? Come now, you're in university. Talk to me. Right. That same thing. But Jesus knew his physical condition, but also knew his mental state. Are you there with me? His mental state. There comes a time when we can hide from some of the people. Sometimes. We might be able to fool all the people some of the times as well. But you can't fool Jesus at all. Don't be fooled. God is not mocked. You can't mama guy God. God knows. God knows your heart. And listen to this. God even knows the intentions of your heart. Are you, are you there? What I'm trying to say, he knows the motives. He knows why you act the way you act. Now that's important. That's important for my own salvation because I know I cannot lie to God. We're like open books before him. Even our minds. And, and, and the Bible would suggest this very strongly that Jesus knew something was happening in his mind. Because when Jesus met him at the church, he said to him, go and sin no more. Don't do it. Nothing like that came in the Bible before, you know. In a passage of scripture about sin, his sin causing him to be, don't go and, go and sin no more. God knows the heart. Somebody, 
God knows the heart, but but I, I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture for this wonderful Savior that we have. I love that song. A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. A wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. When clothed in his righteousness, transported I rise to meet him in clouds of the sky. What's the next word? His perfect salvation. His wonderful love. I'll shout. Hallelujah. I'll shout with the millions on high. He hideth my life. This Jesus knows us. And it's only for us now to open to him. And be known by him. Are you there? Amen. Bible said of Moses in the 34th chapter of Deuteronomy, there was never another man, Sister Gopal, there wasn't another man whom the Lord knew face to face. Listen, the Bible did not say that God knew a man who knew him. Are you there with me? God is talking about a man that he knows. Because God can talk to him, confront him and tell him. And, and, and he can talk to God. One day he says to God, you are, you're only talking to me in, in space and voices. I'm not seeing you. I want to see you. And God would shove him. In the cleft of a rock and then pass his backside so that he, that, that he can see. This is a man who wanted God. Come on, somebody. This is a man who wanted a, a, a relationship with God. He wanted to know God, know, know God face to face. And that's the kind of relationship. And I'm trying to say to you, that's the way Jesus knows us. Jesus has extraordinary ways in dealing with our condition. And dealing with our case, you know, this gentleman, he was so paralyzed. He apparently knew stuff by theory. Or some of us knew things by theory, you know. He quarreled about and complained about people getting into the pool before his efforts were completed. And this is what he says. Everybody else who gets in before him gets healed. Some of us are like that. Sorry. It is so easy sometimes to accept the gospel as a theory. Miracles can probably happen to, to somebody else. But for myself, this, this, this predicament that I find myself, it's too much for Jesus. Is somebody there? There is no problem too big that God cannot answer. Permit me to say a few things before I sit down. This passage is really located in the book of John. There is no other gospel writer that carries this narrative but you can deduce from this narrative 
where it is located in the book of John, that John was fighting a serious evil of the day. Follow me now. The Jews are very focused on proving that Jesus was, was, was merely a miracle worker, but he was not one with the Father. He was never one with the Father. That's what the Jews are trying to portray. And the Bible did say in verse 18 that they attacked him publicly. They sought to kill him. But John, on the other hand, John is bent on demonstrating that Jesus was not only a miracle worker, but he was very God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's yeah. his job. Yes, sir. John 1, verse 1 to 3. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And this word became flesh and dwelt among us. So there was a back and forth. John was also contending with Greek dualism. What this simply means is that for the Greeks, flesh is evil and spirit is perfect. Flesh is Spirit is good and evil is, evil is, is uh, sorry, flesh is evil. In other words, what they were saying, since Jesus was born of a woman and came in the flesh, he could never be God. Are you there with me? He could never be God. And so this is not just, let me, say, let me just say something to you here. Listen, if you read this, this miracle here, this man did not even believe in God. He demonstrated no faith. Jesus did not say to him, if you believe in me, I'll make you well or you will be made whole. Jesus simply asked, do you want to be made whole? Prior to that, previous verses, the Jews would ask Jesus for a sign to show his divinity and he would deny them. So, on this glorious Sabbath convocation, when God's people are jumping up and shouting, praising, and worshiping, Jesus is down at the hospital trying to heal somebody. Amen. To show them that he was not merely man, but he was God altogether. Amen. Now, this is, this is quite interesting here. Because, you see, <laughs> Jesus has to establish himself. And he's trying to show the Jews, the Pharisees and the others, that he is very God, not because of what he claimed, but because of the life he lived and the work that he did. And there is no better uh, testimony, there is no better witness than a Christian who lives a Christian life. Amen. No better witness. And so this whole Jesus, Jesus could never be God. According to the Pharisees, he could never, ever be God. Never be God. But, but, but you see, Jesus, Jesus do not depend on anybody. See, here comes what I want to say to you. No amount of knowledge of the scripture 
entitles you to a place in God's eternal kingdom. You know what goes on in the temple, right? Everybody's studying the word of God. Not so? Everybody's studying the word of God. But I want to say to you today that no amount of knowledge of the scripture will entitle you nor I to the kingdom of God. Let's go to uh, verse, verse, verse 37 very quickly. Verse 37 very quickly. I hardly see this in preaching these days. Verse 37. Hear what the Bible says. And the Father himself who sent me has testified what? Of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. But you do not have his word abiding in you. Why? Because whom he sent, him you do not believe. I'm not done. Verse 39. This is the one. So you search the scriptures. For in them you think. That you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. Yes. But you are not willing to come to me. That you may have what? Life. Many times. This text is misunderstood. So these Pharisees. They are busy studying the Bible. They know the, 20, the 2300 days prophecy at a T. They know everything. And you better know it as the Seventh-day Adventist. You better know it. You better know it. They know how a man should be saved. They know what Moses said. They know all the laws of health. By the way, Brother ben, uh, Maynard, thank you so much for the, the little health nugget. I remember that from long ago. I was just thinking that there is nothing that we can use. <laughs> and it might be tough to live around here. If you feel the same way, I want to invite you to Guyana. Let's go in the bush and live. <laughs> it's very important. The Jews knew everything about the scripture. And Jesus turns up and he says to them, Hey, you're studying this Bible, trying to know everything, and you think by knowing everything, you will have eternal life. No way, Jose. Here is eternal life standing in front of you, and you would not accept. So when Jesus touched the pool... And he said, there are blind people down there. There were also blind people in the church. There's somebody down there. No amount of knowledge. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 3 says, amongst other things, if you give your body to be burned and have not love, if you can describe all the prophecies, if you can, if you can speak in tongues, if you have the, the language of angels, but you have not love, it profits you what? Nothing. 
And in this case, John tells us that God is love. Yes. This is the Jesus I'm talking about. The love I'm talking about is God himself. Are you there with me? So no amount of knowledge of the scripture entitles you to no place in the kingdom of God. You've got to know the Jesus for yourself. Secondly, verse 41. Jesus is telling them now, I do not receive honor from men. Are you there? I do not receive honor from men. But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another came, uh, if, sorry, if another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think that I shall accuse you. Uh, I, I'm here. I'm, I'm all over the place. Yeah. Do not think that I am. Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses. Watch it. Who accused them? Moses. Who wrote the law? Moses. And what they like to study? The law. The same thing that they're reading is condemning them are you there but sometimes we pick up the bible we read it we only see the ills of others but we don't allow it to speak to us i'm going to finish i didn't want to say that do not think that i shall accuse you to the father there is one who accuses you moses in whom you trust For if you believe Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writing, how will you believe my words? When we, when we seek the applause of men, we lose the approval of God. These Pharisees were bent on a knowledge, a perfect knowledge of the scripture. I dare say. But do not know this God for himself. If you really believed in Moses, you would believe in me because it's me who he was talking about. When we read the scripture, it must not only be for memory or for argument or discussion. It must speak to me. Amen. Come on, you ought to say amen about that. Amen. This powerful word must raise itself from the pages and fill my heart, bringing transformation. Yes, sir. So when we, you know... As human beings, we all seek affirmation, don't we? Yes. 
the five love languages. One of them is affirmation. We all need some affirmation. But we don't need the applause of men. Sometimes, yes, you do something good, somebody needs to say, yeah, are you there? Yeah. Yeah. The problem is, when we believe that we are the one who engineered the success that we are enjoying, that's the problem. And we know good how to look for it. Well, you know, I, 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 fast, I, I fast every month. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I fast every month. I read the scripture every day. I throw my tithe regularly. I'm in the praise team. So you see me up here. Ain't all right? Somebody don't know what I'm doing. She doesn't know or he doesn't know. What I want to say to you today, when you seek the applause of men, you lose the approval of God. And this was what was happening in the ranks of the Pharisees. Because what they really wanted was the applause of men. Jesus was standing right there. And just like some people today, Jesus is passing by. We cannot see because we do not seek the understanding of God and the approval of God. But we want the applause of our fellow human beings. close me up now this is the point that I did not finish in my meditation so I can close the Bible I remembered when I was a young man I loved the Sabbath are you there? I love the Sabbath. I would spend Friday afternoons before the sun would come down cleaning the yard. It was a big yard. It's a sandy yard and trees and the leaves fall and they stick between the sand and it gives you a hard time so I have to take a long time to clean it. But I loved it. While I'm cleaning the yard, my mother's baking bread and I'm smelling this thing. And we're going to have a good Sabbath afternoon good Sabbath afternoon because we put butter inside it. You know hot bread and butter? Brother Maynard is that good? What about whole wheat bread? I still have an image in my mind. Where I lived, I lived at the top of the hill and there was a straight road paved the road straight down and straight ahead was the main road so it jams the main road and along the main road is the river, I mean a big river like an, where an oil tanker can pass, a big huge river and it was a glorious sight every Sabbath morning it was the time when our community shopped everybody's with their bags, they're dressed and they're going shopping, they're walking the road you know, so you're seeing everybody when I'm walking down that hill, I'm seeing members clad in church garments going to church. Are you there? 
When I meet the junction and I look up the road, I see brethren coming amidst people who are going to shop. When I look down the road and the river, people are paddling with boats. And they're coming up, rowing, coming up the river. And then we will meet at that big church and we will sing the love of God. Hallelujah. Wonderful Sabbath. But we spent a lot of time, particularly in the Sabbath afternoons, going to the community, somebody. Amen. I mean going to the porch. You know the porches? At Bethesda? Yes. I remember as a little boy, as a young man, I took 24 lessons. I like to tell my students that. 24 lessons in 24 weeks to two families. Every Sabbath I will take the lesson and collect one. I'll come back and the elder will help me to mark it. You know what I mean? Mark it and then next week we carry back the next one. After 24 lessons, three people got baptized. Amen. 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 Three people got baptized. Praise God. I was just the instrument. The point I'm trying to make, do you prefer the temple or the porch? That's the question today. The temple or the porch? Yes, the temple we will sing and jump and shout. And we ought to do that. We ought to be here. We ought to be here on the Sabbath and we ought to be here early. We ought to be here early. If you're walking, here, walking in here at 10.30 and 11 o'clock and 12 o'clock, you come in for a line. We call that a line. God has a specific time. He wants us to deal with Adventist homes. Check Adventist home book by Ellen White. The atmosphere must be produced. Let the cooking be done. You want to worship on Sabbath? I'm telling you what Sabbath is supposed to be. Let the clothes be ironed and pressed, tidy, hung up, ready to be used. The shoes clean. Mother and father must not be shouting and quarreling with each other. Let the atmosphere be a place where children can begin to understand and to love the Lord. The temple or the porch? Well, at the porch. Well, let's go to the temple first. They're selling sheep for sacrifice. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They're well dressed and they have an entourage bringing their offering to pour into the metal receptacle at the front of the church. They're studying the word. But at the porch, there's somebody. Who needs Jesus Christ? Every one of us who have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, God has called us to join him in missions. Amen. You don't have to do your mission 
only on Sabbath, do it every day. Do it where you live. Don't wait for the crusade. Do it in your neighborhood. I know why I'm telling you this. Jesus healed the demoniac. He healed the demoniac and he told the demoniac, oh, when the demoniac got healed, the demoniac said to him, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus said, okay, listen to what I want you to do. I want you to go back into your neighborhood. Is somebody there? Is somebody there? I want you to go back to your neighborhood. And I want to tell them, I want you to tell them what happened to you. Ellen White says of the woman who Jesus sat at the well with and let her know everything that about her. She went back to the village yes, and she told the men, come see a good man. <laughs> I'm trying to say to you that when we come in contact with Christ, we cannot sit down alone in Jerusalem. Yes. We cannot only spend time in the temple. This is a time for worship. But our lives must be demonstrated at the porches every day of the week. We baptize people and we bring them in the church. We dress them up nicely. We put suit on them. And look where they are. They're sitting in the church. Sitting at Jerusalem. And nobody wants to go to the porch. But that's where Jesus is. Is somebody there? Now don't get me going now. Where I'm living now, we are living there 20 years. 10 of those years, my neighbors who are not Seven Adventists and needed the Lord every Friday afternoon when the sun is about to set and my Sabbath is about to dawn my neighbors are in the street with a cooler and their little children the children are playing and the parents are discussing and talking they're probably drinking a beer is somebody there yeah. but they're there these are my neighbors but this good old seven-day adventist boy he rushes to Vespa every Friday afternoon. Is somebody there? Do you, uh, do you, did you get the message? Yeah, yes, sir. I have to go to worship. I have to go up to Jerusalem. Well, you know what happened? Ten years have passed and those children have grown and they no longer meet in the streets. Can you understand what I'm trying to say? The opportunity that I had at the porch, I spent in the temple. The temple or the porch? 
If you love the temple, that's okay. We ought to come to worship. It's a holy convocation of God's people, especially on the Sabbath. But it should not stop there. Everyone is called to be a minister for God. You must have heard this story before. In the temple, everybody is shouting about going to heaven. I want to see Jesus. I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. And I'm bound for the land of the pure and the holy. Isn't that right? In the temple. But there's the porch. Where I come from. People basically use, in most parts, water as the major means of transportation. They travel by boat for weeks to get where they want to go. Some of the pastors, it takes them two weeks to come out for a meeting in the city. Because they have to hike and travel by a boat. And hike and travel by a boat. Boat, boat is a major meeting. This young man who went to a party one night. He had a good time. And later in the morning, about three o'clock, decided that he was going to go home. He went to Jerusalem. And so he got into the boat and he began to row and he began to sing. He rode and he sang. He sang and he rode. Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. I just had a little rum about an hour ago and it's gone up, up to my head. And he rode and he sang. And he rode and he sang and he sang and he rode. He was singing. It was Jerusalem. But the next morning, when the sun rose in the eastern skies he was still the same place he had forgotten to untie the boat forgotten to untie the boat As humorous as that might sound, that story represents some who are in Jerusalem just singing, I'm bound for the land of the pure and the holy. But one day, one day, when the sun of righteousness burst the eastern skies, somebody's boat will still be tied to this whole world. But I have news for you. Come to Jerusalem. Please come to Jerusalem. But remember there's the porch. There's the porch. There's the porch. God bless you. Real good. In Jesus name.